Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Welcome to Chronically Podcast, Chronically Narnia, still undecided on a full proper title. Are uh, we? Uh, I thought it was called Chronically Narnia, colon, again, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know. Chronically, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? No, I thought we were doing Chronically, colon, Narnia, colon. <laughs> no, but with, like all of our social media stuff is just Chronically Podcast. Okay. So we're like Chronically Podcast colon narnia yeah we're not doing a double colon situation no okay we don't need like a large and small intestine (laughs) i think we'll be okay anyway so welcome to episode four of the lion the witch and the wardrobe conveniently discussing chapter four titled turkish delight yes chris have you ever had turkish delight before uh I have not had Turkish Delight. I haven't introduced myself yet, though. Oh. So, we should introduce ourselves. Well, hello. I'm Kristen. Uh, I am a beard who shaved my... I'm a beard who (laughs) shaved my dwarf. All right, (laughs) let's try that again. (laughs) I think that works. No. I don't know. (coughs) I'm a dwarf who shaved my beard. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, and I am your co-host. It makes sense. And I'm your co-host, Chris, uh, also known as the Queen's Fur Mantle. Ooh. We have, we have stopped being people and we have started being things. Well, there's not a lot of characters, you know, there's no characters introduced in this chapter, so I don't have a fun new, like... You're not a green ribbon? I'm not a green ribbon. Okay. Uh, Queen's Fur Mantle, though. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so... (laughs) Welcome to our podcast where we discuss uh, this book and what we hope is great amounts of detail and great fun. Uh, and the first thing that we do to kick that off is to go through and read our chapter summaries where we go through the chapter, pick out five sentences that we think tell the story of the chapter, and just use that as a jumping off point for discussion. So would you like me to go first? No. Okay. I will do my <laughs> sentences first. Okay. Uh, Turkish Delight, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chapter 4. The queen let another drop fall from her bottle on the snow, and instantly there appeared a round box tied with green silk ribbon, which, when opened, turned out to contain several pounds of the best Turkish Delight. At first, Edmund tried to remember that it is rude to speak with one's mouth full, but soon he forgot about this and thought only of trying to shovel down as much Turkish delight as he could, and the more he ate, the more he wanted to eat, and he never asked himself why the queen should be so inquisitive. If I'd known you had gotten... I'd have waited for you, said Lucy, who was too happy and excited to notice how snappishly Edmund spoke and how flushed and strange his face was. What a lot of adventures we shall have now that we're all in it together. He would have, he would have to admit that Lucy had been right before all the others, and he felt sure the others would all be on the side of the fawns and the animals, but he was already more than half on the side of the witch. Okay. 
There you go. We've uh, broken our synchronization here. I, we did not choose any of the same sentences. Oh, delightful! Around. Finally. <clears throat> uh, you were you were very very focused on the the Turkish delight aspect of this I chapter. I mean, it is the title of the <laughs> it chapter. It is the chapter, and it has a there's a lot of mentions of it. Um, so I'll go ahead and do mine. Paper turning noises. I see you are an idiot, whatever else you may be," said the queen. Edmund did not like this arrangement at all, but he dared not disobey. He stepped onto the sledge and sat at her feet, and she put a fold of her fur mantle round him and tucked it well in. While he was eating, the queen kept asking him questions. You must go back to your own country now and come back to me another day. With them, you understand. But he still wanted to taste that Turkish delight again, more than he wanted anything else. So you don't talk at all about him meeting Lucy again and her exposing this queen as the White Witch. No, I tried to work that in, but I think the I feel like that was more of a segue into the next chapter, and the core of this chapter is the interaction between the Witch and Edmund, and that's kind of what I focused on there. Okay. Uh, I mean, I included the others kind of with my, my sentence saying you must bring them back. Yeah, um, with the little mission mm, that the queen gave him. Yeah. I feel like my... What you say was focusing on Turkish delights was focusing on the Queen and Edmund's interaction with all of these questions she's asking and Correct. enticing out of him. So. Yeah, yeah. We did not choose anything similar. Uh, before we jump into actually discussing what happens here in the chapter, I do have maybe some... you could answer the question I asked you earlier. What was that? Oh, if you'd had Turkish delights, no. and then you could let me share my response, oh. which was yes, I have had them. Oh. You know, like in a natural flow of conversation kind <laughs> of way. Is that how conversation works? I know, absolutely not in any of my experience, but you know, <laughs> it was worth a try. Kristen's an introvert. Sharing sharing information to let you get to know us better, dear listeners. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to talk to people because they change the subject all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of Turkish delight did you have? Was it the traditional rose water variety or was there some? I have had Turkish delight twice, I think. I've had the traditional uh, rose water variety and then I had like a chocolate covered one a couple weeks ago that April Lynn brought to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was okay. like some kind of pack- pre-packaged Turkish delight, like a Wonka chocolate. Whoa. That was chocolate I believe covered. I had those as well. Yeah, so you've had Turkish Delight. Oh, okay. I forgot that's what those were. Yeah, that's that's what that was. Okay, fun. Uh, so before we really dig into the meat of this chapter here, uh, or the soft gel candy center, um, ooh, 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 ooh. I, I have a few fun... Several pounds <clears throat> worth. I have a few fun Turkish Delight facts for our listeners, uh, since I, that was, you know, one of the only things I could do research on in this chapter. <laughs> No, you didn't do research on fur mantles and reindeer sledges. And I mean, there's just so much to be said, and this is like that's beyond the scope of this podcast. And let's be real. No transmorgification into <laughs> whatever. No, we'll talk about that. Um, so, Turkish delights, uh, for those who don't know, are little mostly cube-shaped candies that are based on gel. Sometimes, like reading the Wikipedia article about Turkish delights, is like interesting because it's just like. Here are these seven entirely different types of candy, which could be called Turkish Delight. Yeah. And, like, some of them are gel-based, and some of them are cream-based, and some are coated in chocolate, and some are have nuts in them. And it's just, like, it's a very wide umbrella term for lots of different types of candy. The one that I <clears> saw <throat> when I was looking at recipes, though, that I want to make is the pistachio and pomegranate one. 
It just sounded so good. It does sound good. So, uh, fun facts about Turkish Delights. Uh, they date back to at least 1777. That's the first record we have of anybody selling them in a confectionery, but they're probably much older than that. Something so. happened the year mm. before that. Yes. Uh, you know, America. Oh. So, this is a candy that's almost certainly older than America is. Uh, Interesting. So, you know, by the time Edmund is super into them in this book, they've been a thing for hundreds of years. So they're a... A no. hundred and fifty. Well, yeah. <clears> hundred <throat> and seventy. Sure. Um... 175 so they they have they other they have other names uh apparently a an alternative english name for them for quite some time was lumps of delight oh <laughs> <laughs> which i thought creston would have a fun reaction to oh. Just, you know picture walk into a candy shop being like you have lumps of delight oh. <laughs> um they oh. i'm i'm going to butcher some arabic here Okay. Uh, they originally come from... Arabic or Turkish? Arabic. They originally come, uh, or are named by an Arabic word, which is lukum, which means mouthful. Uh, and they have an alternate Ottoman Turkish name, which is Rahat al-Hakum, which, feel free to correct my pronunciation, I'm sure it's terrible, uh, which means throat comfort. <laughs> <laughs> So, why are you doing this to me? I don't know. I, uh, so that's that's some fun information, you know. Lumps of delight, throat throat comfort. They have some fun other names. I have to go eat some conversation <laughs> parts just to feel better. And the uh, last fun fact I had was that sales of Turkish delight uh, in lots of places around the world rose dramatically after the 2005 release of the movie Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. That boosted the industry. Yeah, know. <laughs> who did the Narnia films? That's a piece of information. It was Disney, I don't know. right? Yeah, they're they're Disney properties. Okay. So anyway, that's my little Turkish delight segment. Um, so let's jump into what actually <laughs> happens here. Um, it so, is apparently a thing that this kid just really wanted. Right then, Edmund was just like one Turkish delights. Now, if someone asked me what I would like. Like, they just got me a hot drink, and they were like, I, I eat, what would you like to eat with that? Uh-huh. <laughs> I would not have an answer. Like, and I definitely wouldn't have a candy-based answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm freezing, I'm cold, you got me, like, this okay. hot cup of steaming, delightful liquid. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and then the thing that you're just gonna offer me to have any food appear, <laughs> it wouldn't be candy, and it certainly wouldn't be a gummy candy. Yeah. Would it be toast with sardines on it? It might be. I know. I was going to say it would probably be French onion soup in a bread bowl if it was snowing Uh and I was cold. Yeah. Probably Uh, French onion soup in a bread bowl. Not Mike's pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be good too. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So anyway, um, we had this whole situation where the queen finds out that Edmund's actually human and also an idiot, but... Uh, this is this whole chapter is about Edmund being an idiot, really. Yes, but it really establishes his character in like a really strong base way. We we really we know a lot more about Edmund now than we did before. Correct. He is an idiot. Yes, and he's human. <laughs> Crazy. He's not some a dwarf that changed his beard off. Some people would argue that those two things are synonymous, but you know, he's never had a beard even. Uh, 
So Queen finds out he's human and then is about to kill him, maybe, just for being, you know, him. Yeah, which uh, would have, you know, had her actually win this conflict right off. Uh-huh. It is her decision to try to capture all of them that awesome. has caused this story to even exist. Like, yeah. when we talk about who's an idiot in this chapter, yeah, well, Queen just lost herself this war. Well, coming from the magician's nephew, I don't think we see her make a lot of brilliant decisions. Um, um, we've never really established her as a strong tactical mind. Uh, I mean, when mm. in war, she killed all of her enemies. Uh-huh. And so. everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she we have this conversation where Edmund's stupid and the queen thinks about killing him and then for some reason changes her mind at the last second and it's just like, wait, no. Uh, now I I'll can, get more information. I can, I can use this kid for something. We, in In the context of the book, we still don't know why she wants children or why she wants information i wanted four of them (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i don't know you know what her motivations are at this point if we're playing along within the narrative let's play within the narrative um (laughs) here's a snowball Ah, i hit you in the face that was cold (laughs) anyway uh we're bury my face in my notes uh-huh we're, we're doing some some radio theater here now uh, we're gonna start doing foley sound effects any day now anyway um and then we have the queen using this crazy magic stuff to like butter him up and she takes this vial of liquid and drops some hot steamy stuff into the snow which magically makes things yes which is like magic. some crazy magic power that we've never seen her use before this is some this is some next level crap uh, that she's into. And she makes this foamy hot beverage appear. We still don't know what that is. It's something it's that... definitely it, butterbeer. <laughs> it's something that Edmund's never had before. That's all we know. Yeah. And he's just like, I want Turkish delights. And, like, <clears throat> imagining this story and, like, having the, the images of these characters in my head, I'm just like, oh, hey, there's these four kids that are in wartime London, uh, that kind of era, like... I'm sure they're all, like, you know, kind of well, scrawny and vaguely athletic kids. Because, you know, that's what kids did back then is you know, go outside and stuff. And, and hide from arids. And, and, and in this chapter, I'm just like, oh, maybe Edmund's a little chubby, chubby guy. He might because, be a little, because little he, chubby guy. Because he, he, he sits there and eats, like, three pounds of Turkish Delight in one go. More than I one mean, pound, <laughs> yeah, definitely. He and, just... And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe maybe he's pudgy. Maybe he's a, he's a little fat kid. And that's, you know, not, not fat shaming or anything out there, but it, I couldn't eat three pounds of Turkish Delight. You I, think that. <laughs> I don't think I could eat one pound of but Turkish Delight. But they're very specifically talks about how they were enchanted, basically, that anyone who would start eating it would go on eating it they, until they died. They are enchanted, and since this is the until name... Until they died. They would eat themselves to death on in, Turkish Delight. Until they died. Uh, which brings me to my first major discussion question of this chapter, uh, since we're talking about the candies... <clears throat> are the Turkish delights real? How does the queen know what Turkish delights it's, are? That's that's my thing. So that was my question. 
is this real candy? Because it would imply that it is because it's like these are enchanted candies and you'll keep eating them till they kill you. So, I mean. Yeah, they have to physically have they some have, real they have... essence. But then also like the queen created a liquid that Edmund had never had before. So the liquid isn't just reflecting some inner desire of Edmund and yeah. fulfilling it. Because it's creating something he's never had before. Yes, but at the same time the queen would have no idea what a Turkish delight is. Or how to create one magically. Yeah. So. That's always been a problem I've had with the Turkish delights. Uh-huh. More so when I think about what else she did with the same magic and created something the boy had never had before. Yeah. So, I don't know how that works. That's like some some crazy advanced magic stuff right there. That I feel like is the... This is the single greatest demonstration of power we've ever had from her. Uh. I mean, directly, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So, this is some, uh, some crazy stuff. So... Uh, real quick, also, as an aside, I want to, I did some other research, uh, I was trying to look into the science and the cosmology behind Narnia, uh, <clears throat> to which there's not a lot of consistent information. Do you think that she has somehow harnessed that creative energy of Narnia? It's possible. Like, the, the lamppost became a lamppost out of the little, like, the young lamppost grew up out of the arm of the lamppost. Yeah. Like, it's maybe that, that's a possibility i mean we don't know if she's lying about this but later in the chapter she's also like yeah this magic will work once if we're in my house it's a different story but i can't do it again um, which i think is absolutely a lie uh-huh. <laughs> i absolutely think that that's a lie that she's just trying to get edmund to go on a mission for her uh-huh yeah i think that that's a complete and total lie yeah so maybe she found some way to harness this latent creative energy i i feel like even Aslan said it stops, it would stop three days after, or whatever, however long after the original creation of Narnia. Yeah. And would no longer be there, so I don't know. So, anyway, I did some little research into, like, uh, the the physics of Narnia, as it were. Because I was trying to figure out a baseline for uh, the time difference between Earth and Narnia. Because okay. we have, you know... In this, chap- this chapter, in the previous chapters, talk a bit about, you know, how the kids are there for several hours and they come back and, like, basically no time has passed at all. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find out if anybody's done hard math on, like, what the time differential actually is. And according to people that know things, it's not, it, it's it's not, not consistent. consistent. Yeah. It There's is. no rhyme or reason to it. And, like, we have instances where a few hours, you know, pass on Earth and in Narnia a thousand years goes by or... You know, things like that, but... Or 40 years pass on Earth and a thousand years pass in Narnia. Yeah, so we don't really have any concrete numbers for, like, how exactly, you know, long this is taking on Earth or anything. But what I did find out was there's a there's a fun timeline for everything that happens in uh, the story of the Chronicles of Narnia. And apparently there are years on Narnia. Like, yeah. there are specific years that things happen in. Mm-hmm. which I forgot about, we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, but we were talking in a previous episode about how exactly long the witch has been in power here. Mm-hmm. And apparently at this point, she's been in power for about 100 years. Okay. So, been a century that we've been in endless winter without Christmas approaching. Yes. Uh, and so... <clears throat> and also, like, I we'd had discussed the length of Tumnus's life. 
Yeah. And how he still seemed super young. Apparently well over 100 years old if he's actually witnessed these things. Yeah. So, uh, but also, like, I did some research on, like, kind of what the general consensus on the lifespan of mm-hmm. a fawn is. And it's it's one of those, like, wizards can live to be 300 years. You know, like, fawns can live to be a couple hundred years old. Yeah. So, Tumnus would be in, still in middle age. Yeah. Or younger. Uh, and so at this point, uh, we're also about, eh, a thousand years after the creation of Narnia. That's kind of where we are. Yeah. Less Uh, than 1,200 years. Yeah. So for the listeners who are curious about, you know, chronology, you know, because we're, we're called chronically and we should talk about that uh, occasionally, I guess. I get it. Uh, there you go. There's some answers. So anyway, back to the plot. We had this whole conversation between Jadis and Edmund. Uh, mm-hmm. where she, it's annoying. It's like, it's like this original conversation between Polly and Uncle Andrew in the very first or second chapter of Magician's Nephew, where Uncle Andrew flatters Polly and makes her stupid. And it's this conversation that that's 10 times longer. Yeah, where... <laughs> it is. And, but it also shows a lot more of like, um, the the direct magical influence over Edmund as opposed to the kind of like yeah. just slimy influence uh-huh. that Uncle Andrew was doing. Yeah. And we have um, the queen I- enticing and tempting and wanting information and knowing how to get it. Like knowing the best way to distract a child. Uh-huh. Is with some kind of sweet or shiny thing. Them sweets and that promise of power. He's just like, hey, gonna make you a prince and eventually a king and you can rule this whole place. I mean, that's an enticing thing to a second son. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like when he's always. <coughs> when he's always having to. I mean, like, when he's always having to follow whatever Edmund says and Susan and Edmund are lording it over him that they're the older siblings trying to take it. Like, in the first chapter, Edmund yelled at Susan being like, stop trying to sound like mom. Uh-huh. <clears throat> this power dynamic between the siblings here. Uh, and so she's offering him power and just being like, oh, yeah, I'll make your siblings nobles underneath you and, like, yep, everything that he could possibly want. Uh, apparently... <clears throat> Edmund's a selfish little fat kid, too. Uh, We've established that. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, lots of character development for Edmund. Yeah, none of, none of it really good. Yeah, none like, of it good. No, I never said he was a good guy. Yeah. Uh, and so, for some reason that we don't know yet, the Queen is really, really, really trying to get these four kids to her house, palace, whatever she lives in, dark cave, I don't know. Uh, and she, you know. It's a palace. She, she's really intrigued by the fact that there are four children. Yes. Like, this this is an important number for some reason. That's because we haven't learned about the prophecy yet. Yeah. But so, we'll, doesn't we'll get, matter. We'll get there. But Nobody knows yet. Yeah. She's, she's really into this, really wants all the children at her disposal for, you know, whatever nefarious reason. And <clears throat> Edmund is fully on board with this. Yep. He's just like, yep, gung-ho, want more of those Turkish delights. Uh, which I feel like he... Even, almost even completely passes over this whole offer of power just like oh yeah king the thing that's that's fun that's nice but those turkish delights though <laughs> more of those please yep <clears throat> very true 
He, we also have a very important moment in which he, Edmund, tells the queen that his sister Lucy has been in Narnia and has met a fawn. Yep. And this is going to lead to uh, Mr. Tumnus getting in trouble with the queen. And this is a direct result of Edmund telling her that Lucy met a fawn. Yep. Um, so we already have Edmund endangering lives without even realizing that he's doing it. Yep. Selling out Tumnus. How could he? Um, so that happens. Is there anything else or what do we need to kind of dive into here? I like, mean, we, we talked about we the, have? the delights, the timeline of the queen's rule. Um, but then we have Lucy coming and finding Edmund literally the second the queen pulls away. Like That's not suspicious timing at all. It's but. not suspicious <laughs> timing at all. But the Edmund doesn't even have time to look around or explore at all. He's just staring after the witch's mm-hmm. um, sleigh. And then Lucy comes running up and says, Edmund, like, I didn't know you got in. I would have waited for you. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Um and she talks about how Mr. Tumnus is safe and that he did not get caught by the queen. Queen. Yep. Um, and, or the witch. And she uses the word witch. And this is when Edmund's like, a witch, huh? Yeah. And she, and Lucy describes to him the queen that Edmund just met. So if there's any question whatsoever, we now all know uh-huh. yeah. that this queen is the white witch that Tumnus was so afraid of. Yep. As she rides around in a sleigh pulled by reindeer and with a crown on her head and a wand in her hand. And we've described everything that we know about the queen so far. But fawns are notorious liars. Like, you can't believe anything a fawn says. I mean, and that's exactly where Edmund takes it in order to try to delude himself and also to excuse himself. For what he wants to do. He wants to have more Turkish delights. And he wants to be a ruler over his siblings. Yep. So. uh, So that's a thing. So I did want to do a fun little comparison and contrast here. Between the first experience that we have in Narnia with Lucy and Edmund. uh, Which is very similar. Oh, you mean like comparing Lucy's first experience yeah. with Mr. Tumnus feeding her until she <laughs> fell asleep uh-huh. and Edmund's first experience with the queen feeding him until he's fat? Yeah. So both the times that we have these kids coming into Narnia for the first time, they wander in uh, into the woods in the snow and they immediately meet someone. And like there's no looking around. Like there's yeah. just immediately someone there. And also, that person immediately asks them to confirm whether or not they are son of Adam, daughter of Eve, human. Yes. You are, in fact, human. Uh-huh. And then they both lie to the children about who they are. Yes. <clears throat> and then not, not Not like their names, but yeah. like their intentions. Yes. They both lie about their intentions. And then there's Thomas offers of food. and the queen. <clears throat> there's offers of food and drink, the best tea. Uh-huh. Or this drink that Edmund had never had before that made him warm. Yep. And one There's also getting them warm. Yeah. Like Lucy mm-hmm. comes in and there's a fire. Uh, Edmund curls up in the mantle of her fur 
coat thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and then we have <clears throat> requesting of information. Uh, and then we have the difference in that, you know. I don't think it's, I mean, both of them send the children back. Yeah, both of them send the children back. The fawn basically says, you know, protects her to get back, but doesn't say anything like, don't come back or you're in danger here or something, but it is, it's evident. And then the queen sends him back with instructions to return. Uh Uh-huh. Um, do you think that the queen has an established system for how to kidnap children? (laughs) And that, uh, that Tumnus was taught this system. And so Tumnus is bringing Lucy back, getting her warm, getting her fed. This is the, this is the game plan. Reducing her defenses. And then, like, the difference between them is that the queen is only gathering information, but Tumnus gives information. Tumnus talks about the winters and the queen, and he plays a song for her on his flute thing, and, like... The music pipe. Yeah, the music pipe. And the, But we have within that, like, Lucy and Tumnus develop a relationship that he now that he knows her he can't turn her over to the witch uh-huh um so i think that's a big contrast there is that tumnus develops a relationship by mutually exchanging information and not just gathering information in the way that the queen does yeah uh so i don't know i thought that was a that was a fun comparison that they both have you know extremely similar experiences going into Narnia for the first time. Yeah. And we can we can bring that up again once the other two kids come in and, yeah. and talk about their first exposure. We also, though, have Lucy returning feeling good and Edmund's returning feeling yeah, sick. Yeah, he, he feels like garbage. He, I mean, he also ate three pounds of candy. Even if it weren't magically enchanted, I'm sure he'd feel sick still. <laughs> <clears throat> Which, Lucy doesn't feel bad after eating all that toast. So That's why bread is superior. You you heard it here. You heard it here first, kids. Toast is better than candy as a <laughs> snack. <clears throat> you know, just start. And cake. Yep, toast and cake. Don't forget the cake. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have a fun little comparison there. Uh, I don't know anything else you want to bring up. I mean, <clears throat> pardon me, yawn. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the only other thing that I feel like is of note is just the um the moment in which lucy talks to edmund and the just kind of the way that it is describing like how bad the queen the witch is Uh is put in terms of it's always winter but never gets to christmas Mm-hmm. Like, that is the way that it is presented for children to understand how bad the witch is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's an interesting choice. Uh-huh. But I think that it also is, like, I don't know, it's very much, like, a on brand with C.S. Lewis's way of world building for, toward, directed towards children. Yeah. Like, it's, it's I mean, it... It is less resonant to me as an adult as it was when I was a kid. And it was like always winter but never Christmas. Having, you know, been in the snow once in my Uh life. 
at that point when I was reading it. You California baby, you. Yep, that's me. <laughs> you say that like you're not from further south <laughs> than me. From Florida. I mean, you're just a classic SoCal surfer girl. Yeah. Um. I am. <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, a couple other points uh, I guess we can we can bring up to pad this episode out. Just letting you guys see behind the curtain, listeners. Uh, this is how we do things. Uh, one of my minor questions <clears throat> or comments or concerns. The queen knows uh, exactly where the entrance to the earth is. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all because she's like, how did you get here? And then he's and like, then she, I don't know how to get home. And she's like, like, go that easy. way. It'll be right over there. Yeah. That's like, the way to the... Yeah, that was weird. Uh-huh. That bothered me. It was mm-hmm. inconsistent. Yeah, it's like, I feel like if she knows about this, she could have used it to exit out of Narnia and go into Earth uh, somehow. I mean, Unless but it's she... on the open. I don't know. It's obviously not a one-way passage. Eh, I, maybe. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. We don't know. I mean, the kids can go back and forth quite easily. Yeah, but, so. like... We don't have a fawn come back into our world. Yeah, something's obviously stopping the denizens of Narnia from wandering into Earth, wandering into Earth, but, stumbling out of the wardrobe. But not the other way, which I find is is interesting. Yeah, it's like a the accidental travel into Narnia. It's not also combined with accidental travel into our world. Yeah, just having this, imagining this moment where, like, the first time the kids find the wardrobe, they go and unlock it, and they. Open it up and like just several corpses of woodland critters just spill onto the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just a great funny moment for me. Um, no. You're a terrible person. So yeah, we have this really weird moment where um, the queen knows exactly where the entrance is and is powerless about that, but also at the same time didn't know about it so i don't know i don't know what lewis was was thinking there my she seems to believe that anyone who is returning like to narnia would enter narnia in the same place that she and the kids appeared when they came through the pool it is which is within an arm's length of her throwing the thing like so She's probably pointing to where it was that they spawned there when they came in through the pool because they appeared there through the pool. She threw, she she chucked the yeah the thing at the lion. So that is interesting. Like, so does the wardrobe exit into the exact same place that the pool exits into? Because it would I mean, seem like it seems like it does. Close. Yeah, like the arrival point into Narnia is the same whether you're coming from the wood between the worlds and the pool. Or from the wardrobe. Uh-huh. That does seem a little odd. Uh, what about other points of entrance into Narnia later in the books? Do they also come out? And... I don't remember. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Because, um, like, when all in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, they all land in the middle of the ocean, like, and have to get pulled out of the water onto the Dawn Treader ship. Uh-huh. Like, so, obviously, in that one, No. They get into a different area. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's it's intriguing. Who knows? Um, it's can- canonically inconsistent. Yeah. You know, we could 
mess around with that later. Um, I guess the only other thing I really wanted to possibly bring up was when the Queen is talking to Edmund about, you know, coming back to their place, and they have this really annoying argument that lasts forever, where Edmund's like, why can't we go now? Like, five times. Why uh, Why <clears throat> didn't they? Like, why didn't she just take him then? Uh, because, you know, she needs the, needs the other children there. Um, but this little segment where he's just like, why can't we go now? And she's like, oh, well, if you came to my place, like, you might even forget all about your your family and your brothers and sisters, and they might not matter to you anymore. I mean, he makes it clear that they don't matter to him anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was it was interesting that we talk about this, uh, this realm that the queen lives in that's just like, you know, almost a place that's maybe a parallel to the Wood Between Worlds. I think that she's just building it up that way because she's trying really... Basically, I think that she's going to take him there and turn him to stone or kill him. And, of course, he won't, at that point, remember to go back and get his siblings. Yeah. I don't know. I just was trying to fish around and see if there's anything there, but... No. Oh, well. Okay, cool. Thank you for confirming (laughs) that. That's why I need a co-host, because I would just sit here talking to myself and rambling about nonsense for 20 minutes at a time. Sometimes. The castle (laughs) is just a castle. Sometimes the curtains are just blue. Uh, so anyway, uh, I guess we're we're done. We can segue very smoothly and cleanly into our next segment. Our rewrite. Which is called what, Kristen? It is called the Narnia Fusion Buffet. God. Or Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Yep. I, po- <sighs> I, I, I posed it to the Twitter. So far we've gotten no responses. We have gotten one response, oh. which said Narnia Chopped and Screwed. Actually, it just said chopped. So it's just Narnia chopped now. We can no longer call it chopped and screwed. Who sent that response? Nathan. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Nathan, for being the only person who tweets at us right now. Um, You hear that, other listeners? You got a scoreboard. You got to get up there. Uh, All right. Also the only one who has submitted us with uh, fan Fan art. Yeah, two of them even. Yes. I didn't share the first one, but we have the second one posted on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, it was great. Um, so this segment, we go through the chapter and pick out five new sentences. Not necessarily new. Yeah, we always almost We choose do, five sentences. Uh, that we use to tell a completely new story and have fun with it. So if you want to go ahead. Wait, you went ahead the first time. Yep. We, we always switch this. We, we don't go. always, but we try. <sighs> anyway, so here are mine. All right, Chris, go ahead. Starting now. You are to be the prince, and later on, the king. That is understood. He did not look either clever or handsome, whatever the queen might say. I say, said Lucy, you do look awful, Edmund. I'll say I'm sorry, if you like. Then, just as he gave himself up for lost, she appeared to change her mind. I don't feel like that necessarily changes the story. Uh, I do a little bit. Uh, my, my inspiration for this one was kind of branching off what I did in the last chapter, which uh, I think for this book I might try to string together a narrative in my rewrites 
And in my last chapter, it was all about this uh, strained relationship between Lucy and Edmund. Yeah. Uh, And my idea for this one was going back to, like, almost a flashback of them meeting for the first time. Where this is some sort of, like, royal arrangement where Lucy is meeting Edmund and he is not what she expected him to be. Okay. (sighs) Okay. But. Something like that. All right. Okay. But go on. What's what's yours? Mine is a conversation between Edmund and himself. (laughs) Okay. Please, please, said Edmund suddenly. Please, couldn't I have just one piece of Turkish delight to eat on the way home? There's nothing special about them, said Edmund. (laughs) And anyway, I could always bring them some other time. Why not now, said Edmund. Everyone knows it, said Edmund. Ask anybody you like. I'm all right, said Edmund, but this was not true. Okay. What was your inspiration here? Um, Where'd you come from? I feel like it was. I was inspired by the sentences that are coming from the perspective of Edmund that mm-hmm. almost can be read in this kind of self-conflicted way uh-huh. and it's revealing something about the, the conflicted feelings that Edmund is having that aren't fully explored or revealed openly in the chapter uh-huh. because it kind of comes in at the end in that sentence I used in my first summary where it's like talking about um, Edmund was already half on the side of the witch anyway uh-huh. and so I'm just kind of exploring that inter- uh, self argument okay. between wanting some Turkish delights and whether or not they're special. I gotcha. Um, and whether or not he's all right. <laughs> okay. So kind of like a, a Narnia fight club type situation. Yes. That's <laughs> what you're going for. Yes. Tyler cool. Durden. All right. That's a, that's another book we can reference in, in every episode. You know, we're slowly expanding the list of, uh, literature references we can use. For your uh, chronically podcast bingo board. Yep. It'll, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, all right. So that being said, we can go ahead and jump into our final segment here where we look at the chapter as a whole and give it a rating based on, you know, how good it did at its job. And, you know, you know if it was trying hard or if it just kind of phoned it in. And, and this time we're going to rate it out um, of pounds of turkish delight pounds of turkish delight that's it or green silk ribbons you're really into this green silk ribbon imagery i just feel like it was an odd descriptive choice Uh uh-huh like is that significant at this time were turkish delights often packaged in some kind of green bowed box like is this is the green silk ribbon just a green silk ribbon or I is just there wanted, something more like here? why why is it it why like we don't know anything about the kind of fur that the mantle is made out of but it it matters that this is a green silk ribbon like I don't know it just seemed like a really odd decision to include all right go ahead rate your chapter all right um so this was a more exciting chapter than the last one uh last one we kind of struggled with because not a lot happened. More stuff happens here. Uh, we have a fun conversation. We have a lot of character development for Edmund. All of it bad. We find out that he's, you know, an punchy idiot. little jerk and an idiot. Uh, he'll get redemption later on. We'll we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we, again, don't really have much of Lucy in this chapter, and I feel like Lucy is just slowly morphing into the poly of this book, where she's just like, I'm a female character that'll show up and have one line per chapter and just kind of be here. Uh, well, it's better than Polly got. <laughs> and not, and kind of stops driving plot forward. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I guess we, we don't really find out anything more about Narnia or the situation that the world is in. Uh, we find out a little bit more out about the queen and what kind of manipulative person she is so that's fun overall better than the last chapter still not one of my favorites uh and i feel like we could we could we squeeze more out of these things so i'm gonna say uh good three pounds of turkish delight three, three pounds out of five three out of five or about as much as edmund ate apparently about as much as edmund ate uh-huh he ate the entire box that's what we that's what we can surmise yeah all right well, I give it a cup of steaming hot liquid I've never had before. That's what I would rate this chapter. I feel like it adds to the character of Edmund, as you said. Yeah, no, I have nothing else to add besides what you said. I, I feel like it... I feel like it definitely adds to the conflicted nature of Edmund, though. Like, And we're going to have to... We're going to further develop that on in the book, and I think that this lays a good groundwork for it. Cool. That's all. It's one of them groundwork chapters. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us and for tuning in again this week. Thank you, friends, for listening. And uh, if you want to reach out to us in social media, you can uh, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronically Podcast. Um, tweet at us at chronically pod on Twitter, or you can email us your, um, fat Edmund fat fan art at chronically podcast at gmail at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much for listening and until next time. Thanks. Good. double colon situation no okay we don't need like a large and small intestine <laughs> uh i am a beard who shaved my i'm a beard who <laughs> shaved my dwarf they have they other they have other names uh apparently a, an alternative english name for them for quite some time was lumps of delight oh <laughs> <laughs> I thought Creston would have a fun reaction to. <sighs> I had somewhere else I was going to go with this. Lucy or just the discussions points for the chapter? Uh, discussion points for the chapter. It was something about Thomas. And, you know, Fawn's, Fawn's not being and, trustworthy and you can ask anyone. Fawn's not being trustworthy and you can ask anyone. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Snowball. Ah, I hit you in the face. That was cold. <laughs> <laughs>